0: We're in the middle of a series, meaning we take a topic and talk about it for multiple weeks. And if you want to go back and listen to those, they're available on the website or YouTube. <clears throat> and the series is God is blank. And so we've been filling in that blank different weeks with different words. Today, we're going to fill it in with the word holy. There he is. God is holy. <clears throat> now, we talked about love last week, and that's a really positive attribute of God to us. We talk about grace and mercy and God's faithfulness. All these things that kind of make us feel good, right? Well, today's is a little bit different. In fact, I put it on your outline this way. The attribute of God that we least want to hear, our least, most unpopular, (laughs) uh, may be the attribute we most need to hear. Um, In this case, Holiness. Now, holiness shows up, depending on translation, 367 times in Scripture. It shows up more than love. It shows up more than grace. It shows up more than mercy. It shows up more than faithfulness. Evidently, this is an important aspect or quality of God, is his holiness. And so, how are we going to react to that? Because we welcome God's love and mercy and grace, but what about God's holiness? How are we going to respond to that? Well, we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6, where one of God's prophets, Isaiah, is going to have an encounter uh, with the holiness of God. And we're going to see what happens to him, and which also ought to happen to us. So uh, we'll have different translations on the scripture, on the outline. If, you'd like, if you have a favorite translation, please follow along in that one. <clears throat> so, Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, we read that, and that's a historical fact, and we kind of pass over it. But we need to understand, Isaiah was king for 52 years. He started at the age of 16 to become king. So basically, nobody knew anybody else as king except for Uzziah. It would be like, you know, we had the same president for 50 years. we change every four or eight years, right? So... It was a very um, disturbing time, an unsettling time, an anxious time, a time of fear. We knew King Uzziah. We don't know what the next king is going to be like. Along with the combination of Isaiah saying, well, God is about to destroy Judah and Israel, Jerusalem, because of your unfaithfulness. Um, So it's a very disturbing time. So with that in mind, and maybe you feel like today is a very disturbing time. Uh, because of what's going on around the world or in in politics or whatever it might be. So Isaiah continues. He says, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Of course, in their theology, God dwelt in the temple. And we assume this was a vision. that Isaiah sees, because we're going to, as we continue here. Uh, Above him were seraphim. Now, we're going to see they're basically like a a kind of angel. Um, It's the only place in Scripture they're referred to, so we don't know a lot about them. I tried to find a picture I thought would be a good illustration, but just kind of too cartoonish for me. So you and I will just have to (laughs) vision what these seraphims look like. Each had six wings. I don't think we'd know of any creature with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face, maybe because they were in the presence of a holy God. Two, they covered their feet, a sign of reverence. And with two, they were flying. Normally, what wings are four. Now, the word seraphim comes from a root word meaning burning. So, some references call these seraphim the burning ones. And some of these pictures had this 6 wing creature with fire around it. For for our understanding, it's basically an angel, all right? So he sees the Lord sitting on his throne with these angels around him. text goes on. And they were calling to one another. So the seraphim were talking to each other, all right? And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. In Hebrew, it's kadash. Kadash, kadash, kadash is the Lord Almighty. Now, why would they repeat it three times or more? We only have it written three times. Well, for emphasis, obviously. Parents, with your children, sometimes you say, I want you to clean your room. Make sure you clean your room. When you clean your room, make sure you do this. And maybe you come back again and say, are you cleaning your room? It's for emphasis. This is important, right? Hebrew is the same way. So, this is important, that Almighty God is holy. This is the only attribute of God I could find that was referred to in triplicate. You don't see love, 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 or mercy, 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 or grace, 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 or faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Only the attribute of holiness do we see repeated so many times. Now, we use the word holy different ways. In church, we use it for like holy communion, holy matrimony, uh, whatever it might be, out in the secular world, we might use it for uh, holy smoke or some reference like that. Whatever holy smoke is, I don't know. Um, sometimes it's used derogatorily, like you guys are um, think you're holier than that, um, uh, meaning judgmental Christians. Here, God is referred to as holy. One more verse, and then we'll dig in a little bit. The voices of these angels shook the temple. And again, this was where they felt God was dwelling. And the entire building was filled with smoke, representing God's presence. So maybe, (laughs) consequently, Isaiah needed to know of God's holiness. But maybe you and I need to know a little more or refresh our memories about God's holiness. So what does holy mean? We talked about this a few weeks ago, months ago. Literally, it means to be separate or set aside, set apart, different. Literally, the word means to cut. I think it makes more sense to us to say to, say cut above. So I'm trying to illustrate this. came across an illustration by Tony Evans. So you can blame him if you don't like it. Anyway, all of us have dishes at home, right? We eat off our dishes, and you're usually in... You know, I don't know where you got your dishes from Walmart or, or Bed Bath & Beyond or maybe they were a wedding gift or whatever they were. Our dishes, actually, most of you know Dee. Dee and her husband years ago had a restaurant. When they closed the restaurant, they sold off the dishes and we bought these dishes. So the dishes we use every day are these restaurant-quality dishes. You can't even break them if you try it not think. Then They're very pretty. They're very nice. We, like, we, we use them all the time. <clears throat> Stick them in the dishwasher, etc. Don't think about it too much, sir. But we also have a set of dishes called china. Some of you, who has china? All right. Some of you have china that is handed down to you. These, this Ours isn't. My wife got it real cheap at a like guard sale or something. Now, this china is kind of, is that where we got it? Yeah, okay. Make sure I get the details right. Anyway, it is pretty, and it has its own special place in the house. It's not in, even in the kitchen. It's in another room, in another cabinet. And uh, I asked the first service we ever used them. She said, yeah. So at least once upon a time, we did get these dishes out. I don't know what the occasion was, but it has to be a special occasion to get your china out, right? Most of the time, you don't, you don't eat on it. And you don't stick it in the dishwasher. You, you wash it by, by hand. So the china is high and holy and lifted up, right? It's special. It's not like your regular dishes. So God is high and holy, lifted up. Special, different And not common. So, who is God, a cut above? The simple answer, everybody and everything, right? He's God. He's a cut above everyone. Uh, No one is like him. He is uh, incomprehensible in reality, isn't he? We only can understand or comprehend a portion of who God is. And holiness is part of our understanding of who he is. In fact, in Exodus, after the uh, Israelites got out of Egypt, there's this song recorded that Moses and the Israelites were singing. I want to uh, quote a verse out of that song that refers to God as incomprehensible. Who among the gods is like you? Lord, who, who, who's like you? Majestic in, I love these phrases, majestic in holiness. Not just holy, but majestic in holiness. And then awesome in glory. Working wonders. Now they just had seen the wonders of uh, the ten plagues in Egypt and then destroying the Egyptian army and, and the dividing of the Red Sea. This is the God that they worshiping. This is the God that you and I worship. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. So, Isaiah has his vision. So let's get back to the recording of his vision. Then I said, Isaiah speaking now, it's all over. I'm doomed. Some translation says, I'm undone. Why? I I am a sinful man. So he's contrasting himself. High and holy God, me, I'm just a sinful man. I have unclean or filthy lips. Not just me, I live among a people with unclean or filthy lips. Yet, yet, God's high and holy, I am sinful, yet, what? I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. I have been privileged to have an encounter with this high and holy God. Now, lips. Lips. Why does he mention lips? What's a prophet's job? What does he use the most? We might say a voice, but we could say our lips, right? This is, I communicate God's message with my lips. But even the the thing that God, part of me that God uses the most is unclean. It's unholy. So how does Isaiah respond? It's on your outline. How How did he respond to God's holiness? Now, it's interesting to me he didn't join the seraphim in praising God. Praise God, praise God, like the the Sarah. Holy, holy, holy. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't try to negotiate with God, did he? He didn't say, Oh, I'm unclean, God, but if you um, clean me up, I'll do what you want me to do. So, how did he respond? He said, I'm a, a sinful man. Unclean lips, I want you to outline I put it this way. His first response to God's holiness was confessing his own sinfulness. What did God do? We don't know anything God's doing in this place. He just, all his glory is sitting on his throne. That was enough to bring Isaiah to a place of confession of his sinfulness. Back to the text. Then one of the seraphim, there's multiple, but one of them, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar. So there was burning coals on the altar. And he couldn't touch the burning coal. Evidently, he had to use a pair of tongs, just like us. The angel did. Now, we don't believe this literally happens. It's a vision. And in his vision, he touched his lips. Right? It didn't burn him. And then he said, he touched my lips with it and said, See, this call has touched your lips now. All right? Touch my lips. Now, what's happening? Your guilt is removed. What? And your sins are forgiven. How awesome is that? In his sinfulness before God, God forgave him, right? But I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel God's forgiveness, but I still feel guilty. You ever do that? Yeah, no, I know, God, you, you, you forgive me, but I still feel guilty. So we not only need God's forgiveness, but we need God set us free from the guilt that comes with our sinfulness. Now, how was he cleansed? Did the coal cleanse him? No, it was God's presence. It was God that cleansed him. He was at- His sins were atoned for. They were taken care of, and God forgave it. Billy Graham once said this, It's only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depths of our sin. Because most of us think we're we're pretty good people, right? Try and do what's right, try and help people. You know, I'm a pretty good person. Why? Because I'm comparing myself to other people, right? I can always find people I'm better than them. And sometimes we get a sense of self-righteousness by comparing ourselves to others. And one uh, thing that kind of bugs me in church sometimes, people, I call it church gossip. Oh, we need to pray for brother or sister so-and-so. You know, She's caught in, a, she's in adultery or uh, pornography, he's in pornography or the, Addiction, drug addiction, or alcohol. We really need to pray for him. We do need to pray for him, but it's more like I'm not, I don't have that problem with that those things like those people do. Don't compare yourself to others. Your, compare ourselves to a high and holy God. Again, notice what Isaiah didn't do and what God did. He didn't negotiate, he didn't uh, defend himself. And when you're outlining, he didn't beg for forgiveness. You notice that? Oh, please, 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 God, forgive me. Now, we don't know. We don't know his heart. God knew his heart. And I believe his heart was broken by his sinfulness before a holy God. And that's why God forgave him. He didn't promise God, well, God, if you forgive me, I will, uh, I'll be your faithful prophet. I'll go to church every Sunday. In our case, worship on the Sabbath. Um, I'll read my Bible every day or I'll give money to the poor or I'll tithe to the church or, and there's no negotiation. God sent the seraphim to acknowledge his forgiveness. I quote it again here in verse 7. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. How awesome is it that God is willing to forgive your sins and mine. <clears throat> Reminds me of Romans 5.8 that we talked about last week. Think about this. While we were wasting our lives in sin, this translation said, while we were yet sinners, while we had no interest or, or uh, concern about God or our sinfulness, God revealed his powerful love to us, how much he loved us. In a tangible display, what's that tangible display? The anointed one died for us. Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross to prove how much God loved us while we had no interest or care. So who is God? God is holy, 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 high and lifted up. Let's never forget that. Came across this interesting quote. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry, I don't know how many of you are familiar with her. She always said some interesting things to say. Uh, If God is holy, which we are claiming, right, then he can't sin, which kind of makes sense, right? So if God can't sin, he can't sin against me. I never thought about that before. So he can't lie to me. He can't, you know, betray me. He can't hurt me. God can't do that. And if he can't sin against you or me, you or I, Shouldn't that make him, or isn't he, the most trustworthy being there is? So I just put on the outline because God is holy; you can trust Him, 100 percent of the time, absolutely. Because being holy, He cannot sin. Completely trustworthy. So I don't know where you are right today. You may be struggling some aspect of your life, hurting about something, maybe fearful about something. You can trust God. Now watch what happens to Isaiah next. So God's forgiven him. Then I heard the verse of the Lord. So he hadn't heard the voice of the Lord until this point. The Lord said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now most of you know we were international missionaries for a while and this is a Text that a lot of people use say, this is why we went to be a missionaries. But notice, he, he asks this question, but do you think this is a generic question? Like, okay, Isaiah, I'm just curious who you think would be a good person for, us, for me to use. You know, do you have a friend, a relative, another prophet? Do you think that's what he's asking you? I don't think that's what he's asking. I'm thinking, am I asking, Isaiah, can I send you? Well, you go for us. Notice the us. Who's the us? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? You go for us. It made me think, uh, I think it's in the military. I've never been in the military. If, you're, if, the, uh, if offers, the superior offers this to you, we got somebody in the military. It says, jump. What is your response? How high? You know, say, well, maybe, maybe not, or I'll think about it. Jump. How high? There's no question. And and so Isaiah says, in response to God's forgiveness and holiness, here am I, send me. Wherever, whenever, to do whatever. Basically, yes. Just yes. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. In fact, I put the negative on your outline. How could I ever say no to you, God? We do it though, don't we? But we don't see ourselves standing before a holy God. We see ourselves sometimes, I think modern Christianity has kind of gotten God too uh, familiar. He's my bud. We're, we're pals. Well, that's true, but He is the Almighty One, high and holy and lifted up. Well, ever. Forget that. It's a little harder to say no to that guy than my buddy. Reminds me of 1 Peter we studied a few months ago. Peter's writing, he says, quoting Leviticus, now you must be holy in everything you do. I'm not holy in everything I do. I'm sure you, you don't feel that way, right? Just as God who chose you is holy. I'm supposed to be holy like God? What could this mean? For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. God, I'm a sinful man like Isaiah. How can I be holy? Well, the thought I came to this time as I was studying this was just like Isaiah is an unequivocal yes. That makes me holy. And when I'm disobedient and say, no, I'm not holy. Now, we stand holy in God's presence only because of the blood of Jesus. Do You have an unequivocal, equivocal, I can't say that word, yes, uh, for God. Or do you have some, eh, I'll think about it, or maybe later, or maybe not. So I put this on your outline. When was the last time you've been stunned by the holiness of God? Awe struck by the holiness of God, where you fell on your face before God and said, I'm unholy, I'm unworthy, I have a filthy lips. Fascinating thing to me is Isaiah took up the challenge. He had to tell the Israelites that you've been disobedient to God and God's going to destroy you. What a tough message. But just a few verses down, the next chapter of Isaiah. You know what Isaiah is revealed to Isaiah in his obedience? Chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, some more than 700 years later. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Not any son, but my son. And you'll call him Emmanuel. God with. Holy, 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 Kadash, Kadash, Kadash. Aren't you glad a holy God came in the presence of through Jesus to a sin sick world, sin contaminated world? Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. We hear of people leaving, well, they say leaving the church, not leaving God. But if you're leaving the church, you're pretty much leaving God. Because Jesus Christ died for the church. Anyway, that aside. Why would you leave, as we talked about last week, someone who loves you unconditionally? Where else were you able to find that? Where else are you going to go? If you leave this, where are you going? Because you're never going to be loved like that. Anywhere or by anyone else. So I want to end with a verse from the Psalms. Psalmist is saying, Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescued me. And notice this next part. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who could ever compare with you? And I would say it this way, the only reasonable response to that God is yes. No questions asked. I'd like you to wrestle a little bit with this question about God's holiness this week on your outline. When is the last time you've been stunned by the holiness of God? Now, we don't always respond positively. Were you humbled like Isaiah? Were you to get defensive and push back? Let me pray with you. God, you are holy. and It's hard for us to even comprehend or understand it. You're so incomprehensible, so different, so set apart. Yet in your holiness, you decided to come to us, to love us, and to provide salvation for us, provide forgiveness for us. You're awesome. What else can we say? And Father, I want to pray for anyone that maybe has never came to that place of surrender, of asking forgiveness. And saying, yes, God, you're, you can have my life. I pray today, just now, they say, yes. Yes, God, I believe. I confess. I accept. I understand most of my audience are already Jesus followers. Most people hear my voice. So what does this mean for us? Do I carry around guilt because I'm not perfect? I don't think that's what God wants. Am I willing to say no to God? How dare I? Yet I do. Will God forgive me? Absolutely. So where's your struggle? Where do you have difficulty acknowledging God's holiness, your sinfulness? God's right to be your Lord, your boss, tell you where to go and when to go and where to go and how to go. And we say yes, not reluctantly, but yes, enthusiastically. Yes, God, you're the Holy One. We come to worship and serve you. We can't thank you enough. In Jesus' precious name, amen.